0: I invite us to just be silent for a moment, to just give thanks to our God for bringing us here together. God, send your anointing on us and on this place. Guide our tongues while we run this race. Guide our minds while we run this race. Guide our hearts while we run this race. We don't want to run this race in vain. Amen. Amen. So the message that the Spirit has given me to preach on since we're in bread season, so-called bread season. We've heard, I am the bread of life, a number of Sundays now. And then you just heard, I am the bread of life repeated in that passage more than once. The message is, how do we become the bread of life for the world? How do we become the living Word made flesh? And I want to invite us into this message with a story that I remembered from when I lived in Ethiopia and I served in the Peace Corps. I remember every time I went into my main town, my hub town, it was just about 30 minutes away and I was lucky to be that close to a city. I lived very close to a major town. My hub town was a major town. Debra Brahan, which means the place of light. And I passed Selassie Church and Selassie in Amharic means Holy Trinity. And Selassie Church was one of the most historic churches in Ethiopia. Every time I passed the church, I saw people laying on the sidewalk outside of the church, and they had tarps down. In front of them. And on the tarps were coins that people had given them. But also some of the people had mounds of food scraps. Restaurants would give the people the leftover scraps from the food that people had eaten throughout the day. And if you know anything about Ethiopian food, it's pretty mushy, and you eat it with your hands. And so it really was scraps. And I remember when the church built a little gate, a fence to the side of the entrance. And the only reason that I could see why they would do this was to keep the destitute from gathering around the entrance and making this glorious institution look bad for the people coming in in their white clothes. And it's similar to the way that churches will turn on sprinklers so that the homeless don't gather on the steps of churches here in America. In the time that I was there, this never changed. And the church even built apartments across the street from Selassie to collect rent. And I thought that it was for maybe sheltering people who couldn't afford other shelter, but it was actually just to collect money to build more churches. I saw how we pity people and we do good works and we hand down to people and hand out because we assume that we're at the top. And yet our call is to actually apply our hearts unto wisdom. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. We think it suffices to give bread, but the core of our call is to actually be the bread of life. There can be a disunity between what we say we believe in theory all of the theology that we teach in our seminaries and that we read in the scripture there can be a disunity between that and what we actually walk what we actually practice reading the word every Sunday has little use if we are not trying to become the words that we read on the page. We have to take it from the two-dimensional page into the three-dimensional action. Hence, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And when we perform the communion ritual, we say we thank you for the gift of human flesh. Of human flesh. So the purpose of the message that I'm bringing today is to bring together those elements, to bring together what we believe and what we know, what we hear and what we do, our heads and our hearts. And the foundation of that objective is one word. Incarnation. Incarnation. That we are the bread of life for the world. We, individually and collectively, are the body of Christ. And if Christ is God, and we are the body of Christ, of Christ. We are a part of God. God is closer to us than hands and feet, and yet has no hands and feet but our own. This means that every time in scripture we read Christ saying, I, he also meant we, we, He meant us because we are his body. And so how do we live as the body of Christ? How do we become the bread of life for the world? I was instructed to give three points today. (laughs) Just three. I don't know if you're laughing because I've already given three points or because. (laughs) But three is a good number. Three is a good number for our faith. And there are more, but I'll just stick to three. The first is to be present. Be present. Scripture says from the time Jesus began to preach, he preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The key phrase is at hand. It's here. It's now. Prepare the way. And the shift that we are currently in, the economic shift, the social shift, the cultural shift, the political shift, Shift. Don't we know about the political shift we get at 24-7 on cable news? The shift that we're in requires us to be prepared to do what God is calling us to do right here and right now. God may call us to speak on a situation and it has to be instant or the moment will pass. And what God was calling us to do at that moment, we just missed it. We totally missed it. And so then God has to go over here. The Holy Spirit has to use somebody else. So we have to be in position so that God can use us at the time that God needs to use us. We may be called to stay silent when we really want to speak. That's a lesson that I got to learn sometimes. You got to stay silent sometimes even though you really want to speak because God's not calling you to speak on that. Maybe it has to come through somebody else. Maybe it's not your words that it has to be. God might be calling us to do something and be somewhere, and we don't know why. But whatever it is, God needs us to act that out. And so we're being called to do these things in exactly the way that we're being called to do them, exactly the time that we're being called to act them out, because that is how the divine plan and the divine purpose comes into being most ideally. What God is calling us to do must be acted out here and now. And so we have to get out of God's way. And we have to get out of our own way, our own, release our own hang ups in order to be present to what God is calling us to do in this moment. And that requires us to listen, learn, and love from, love this moment. This is counter to our culture, walking the Christian path. In this way, being mindful is counter to our culture because the culture says that we should wish and hope for this car and this job and this house. We should hope for something in the future instead of focusing on heaven. And heaven is just another way of saying the eternal now. The eternal now that we have access to but the world clouds our judgment and it gets in the way of perceiving what is already there. So the world encourages us to amass fortunes on earth instead of building up treasures in heaven in the eternal now. But don't we know, as it is written in the last day, in the time of ultimate truth, This world will bow to God. Caesar will bow to God. That's why we were told, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God because all of that that we think we're giving to Caesar actually belongs to God. All creation will bow to God. Trump will bow to God. Putin will bow to God. Because thus saith the Lord, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. But first, we have to know how to use those things so that the world does not poison us. So we have to give thanks. First, we have to stop worrying. First, we have to trust God. First, we have to bless God's holy name. First, we have to learn how to wait and be patient so that God can renew our strength. First, we have to learn how to bear good fruit. Seek ye first to be present to the gifts that God has already given. And the numbers that we're looking for and the churches that we're trying to plant And the fundraisers, all the money that we're trying to raise to keep the buildings going, all of those future things will be added unto us if we can just be faithful to the present things. Secondly, be intentional. Christ was intentional. Christ studied in the temple from childhood. He studied the basic tenets of of his faith, the orthodox faith. And then he lived some undocumented years. Some say he studied in the wisdom schools. And then he was baptized into the Holy Spirit. And then when he received this divine presence... God allowed him to be tempted. And after he was sure of his purpose, he had confirmed his purpose, he emerged for a very short and brief but a highly intentional ministry that turned the world right side up and gave us the keys to the kingdom of heaven So that we could build it on earth he had a mission he had a vision he had a purpose and when he had rooted himself in wisdom and understanding and he also he also had learned how to retreat when to take a sabbatical when to do the personal work necessary to be what he needed to be for others when he had rooted himself in this, he was able to truly walk in his mission. We are called to this level of focus in our faith, in our per- personal spirituality, and our evangelism, and in our daily life and work. We're called to move with purpose. And one of the ways that we can live with intention is by living by a rule of life, which is what we do here at Richmond Hill. And a rule of life is essentially just a set of governing principles. Some focus on the baptismal covenant to develop a rule of life. Some the 10 commandments, some the Beatitudes, some draw from different monasteries, and some draw from Richmond Hill. We have these pamphlets that you can take home and You, too, can live by (laughs) our rule of life in these short, easy steps. (laughs) We keep it simple around here, so you can, anybody can live by this way. We can choose our own combination of things, and the Holy Spirit will lead us into the truth and the purpose that we need to fulfill But the point is to root ourselves around principles so that we can remain stable and steadfast in our faith and receive all of the blessings that come from sustaining a commitment. And on the topic of commitment, the final point is be in community be in community and be in communion. Communion is the relationship that bonds community. And when I mentioned this to a friend, he said, oh, communion, common union, common union. Communion is the commitment we make to God to ourselves and to others, to recognize the supreme truth that connects everything regardless of how disordered and how messy things may seem in this moment. Our regular communion ritual invites us into this experience of community regardless of race, regardless of where we live, our socioeconomic background, or maybe even because of all of those things. We meet at a common table, and we share a common cup, and we eat from the same plate, because it's the same God that makes all of us. And what I love about this particular communion ritual is that we begin by recognizing our ultimate unity in God. We recognize that we're all one and it's an open table. We don't just say, oh, it's for these people over here. Oh, it's for the perfect and oh, you need to do all of this work before you can recognize that the presence of God is within you because we can't take away presence of God from you it's just right there for you and the only reason somebody can take away the knowledge of your communion and the knowledge that the presence of God is already in you is if you don't know that it's first there yourself so it's an open table when we apply this commitment to communion we renew our union with God and with nature with ourselves, and with each other. When we apply this, we are to measure everything that we do, think, and say by the commandment to love as God loves us. We are to actually do what Christ said. And it sounds easy because we repeat this and we hear this so much We say, oh, love one another, and God loves you, and it becomes empty, becomes rote. But to actually walk in love as Christ loves us is truly supernatural. And that's why God sent Jesus to show us, because we're somewhat limited by our human nature. We are always trying to get where we're getting yet holding on, and yet holding out. And the cross, we know, is heavy, and the cross always requires more of us than we expected. And yet the commandment still stands. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. St. Paul said to the Ephesians, when we are rooted and established in love, we will receive the power to truly know and serve God. He offered the prayer, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And in closing, I reflected on the point that I wanted to give. And if the only point is just learning how to live so that God can use us anywhere, Lord, anytime. Janie did a song in her sermon one time. I'm going to live so God can use me. Anywhere, Lord. Anytime. And if you got nothing else, please get that.
1: I'm gonna live so God can use me anywhere, Lord. Talk, I'm gonna talk so God can use me anywhere, anytime I'm gonna talk so God can use me anywhere, anytime I'm gonna walk,
0: I'm
1: gonna walk so God can use me anywhere. I'm going to talk so God can use me Anywhere anytime I'm going to live so God can use me Anywhere anytime I'm going to live so God can use me